Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. Well, with everything that's going on right now in the world of sports, I thought it'd be a good time to bring in Ray Woodson, the former KNBR talk show host, who also co-hosted my podcast that I had, Dubs OT. We did that together for a few years, and there's a lot going on with Major League Baseball. Of course, they are going to cancel the first couple of series of the year as of now. Uh, The Warriors are not playing well, and KNBR made a big change to their lineup. So we're going to talk about all of that with Ray Woodson. Here was the conversation that we had on Wednesday. Well, Ray, thanks a lot for joining me here on this uh, new podcast, the first time that I'm having you on here. And uh, unfortunately, it's not a a great day to be talking sports when you think about what's going on with Major League Baseball. I mean, I think they're looking at March Madness as a way to uh, disappoint their fans. You know, it's March Madness for baseball fans because now you've got a couple of series that are canceled, and who knows where this goes from here. Well, fans are going to pay attention to March Madness and not baseball. Right. The the casual fan will check out. I mean, this is terribly sad. And, you know, big, big, big picture. I mean, we're in a point in history uh, of the greatest peril since the Second World War. All right. So nobody gives a crap about what these billionaires want. Uh, Baseball did not read the room on this. People are worried about a lot of other things than this. But the the oligarchs, since that that word is popular in the parlance of the times, the oligarchs of baseball have decided that, you know, it's our Rawlings baseball, and we'll take it home if we need to. Uh, they, they, they moved a little bit, and this is what happens in negotiations, right? Right up until the deadline, all of a sudden stuff starts happening. But they locked out the players. This is their doing. This whole crisis is their creation. And for what? It's so needless. They say they care about the fans. The commissioner said yesterday the fans are top of mind. Well, that's flat-out Orwellian, given what they're doing. Look at their actions, not their words. Are they considering the fans? Hell no. No. The consideration is the pocketbook of people who already have billions of dollars. You know, the last... uh, the last strike back in the 90s, were there any teams valued at a billion dollars? <laughs> no. The sport itself was barely over a billion dollars. And now you've got several franchises valued at a billion. And the, and the value of the entire sport of Major League Baseball has increased eightfold since that time to about $10 billion. All right, so right there, they're doing just fine. Okay, the, the one team that was uh, asked to open its books, the Braves, did just fine. Uh, the players, meanwhile, the people that fans come to see who are producing the product that is increasing the value of these franchises, the last four years they've seen their average salaries go down. Now people get fooled by the gigantic contracts, you know, from the, the, the top exceptional players like for example, Max Scherzer, who's been very active in the union negotiations, but the average player's salary is going down, and that's part of their beef here. And, you know, they're not asking for a revolution. They're not asking to blow up the structure. They're just asking for a little bit more. 
to give back a little bit more that was taken. <laughs> so uh, it's just ridiculous that it even had to come to this. Uh, you know, the, the, these oligarchs of baseball, they're going to be okay. They can wait this out. What they're counting on is these players uh, aren't going to be able to wait it out. That they're going to have financial pressures that will get them back to the bargaining table. And I guess the union is is going to be they, they they stored up some money and they're going to be paying the players something like fifteen thousand dollars a month, which is a, a small amount compared to what they would normally get, even the even the rookie players. But the overall structure of the sport, of course, it favors the owners. Of course, it favors management. And, you know, the, the, the things that they're arguing about, such as the competitive balance tax, that's, in effect, a salary cap. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the young players are, are the ones that these teams want on the rosters, right? Because they don't get injured as much, and they are, by and large, more productive. I think statistically it's been shown that the players in their 20s are more productive. But the way the structure is set up, they're not getting paid until they're in their sixth year. And by that time, a lot of these guys are 30. Well, what happens then? A lot of these teams don't want to touch them because they're not as productive and they don't provide the bang for the buck. I, I mean, there's a few exceptions to that with the Yankees, uh, you know, the teams that are that are right on the cusp of, of contending and they can afford, you know, some of these uh, veteran players. But even then, you know, the competitive balance tax causes a lot of teams to shy away. And so those older players, by and large, aren't going to get paid as much, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that it, 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 how many teams go right up against that competitive balance tax, whatever it is? They go right up to it, they step back. And then you have these penalties such as, you know, draft pick compensation for, for veteran players who, who are kept around. So the whole system is to provide a disincentive for the average salary for these players. So you can see why they have a beef. But the fact of the matter is it was the owner who blocked the player. And now they've made some movement at the very end, at the play, but that's still not enough for the players. And as the Giants pointed out, they set it up to make the players look like the bad guys here, and they're not. Yeah, so, I, uh, and I was going to say, Ray, I, 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 went think... on a, I went on a rant there, but I guess that's why you had me on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually think your v- viewpoint now is more of the sentiment of the average fan, whereas when you go back to 1994-95, I think a lot of fans were disenchanted with players as well. Maybe it was a 50-50 thing, but not anymore. I think most fans are on the side of the players now. I mean, there's going to be some who are, who are saying, oh, yeah, those players, they make a lot of money. They make too much money, this and that. But I think most people see that the owners, by locking out the players, by not offering any kind of uh, deal for a long time, they didn't put anything out on the table as far as an offer uh, for a while there. And then, you, you know, you start to read it and get educated about what you were just talking about as far as, the, you know, the looking at maybe a salary cap there and how unfair it is to the players. And then I think most people are kind of leaning towards the player's side. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I would hope they would, recognizing the value they provide to the game. I, Jeff Passan of ESPN had a good uh, comparison. He said, you know, these are the 1,200 elite players on the planet, right? And, and Just to be a Division One player, you've got to be pretty damn good to yeah. get a scholarship, to start off, and then to work your way to get drafted, to work your way through the minor leagues, to, to make it to the major leagues, to stick in the major leagues, to be able player in the major leagues to be a star in the major leagues 
you're talking about the top of the top of the top. But you get the next billionaires uh, own teams, and there's no real change. They're not going to run those teams any worse or any better. But you know what I think got the players hide is this this uh, story that came out a couple of years ago about this uh, sort of informal championship belt that they gave to the team that uh, did the best job of uh, cutting salaries, of, of keeping their payroll down, you know. And when you have people like John Fisher of the A's being heavy influencers in these negotiations, well, that's not a good sign. So I think that the fans overall realize, you know, yeah, the players are, are making pretty good money. We're talking about maybe 700000 they're going to raise the rookie salary. That's far more than the average person makes. But these are the elite of the elite. They're the, the, the product that the fans are see. So, yeah, they should be compensated in that way. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't know how much fan influence is going to play into this. I mean, the, the changes they've made in the game have not been fan-friendly, I don't think. So, uh, you know, they, they say they have the fans in mind, but again, it's, it's what they say. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not what they say, it's what they do. And the way that they've tinkered the hell in, uh, out of this game, it's made it a, a less attractive product. Having said that, uh, financially the game is doing all right, in large part because of the regional television contracts on top of the national contracts. Still people watching, still popular enough that obviously there's a huge amount of investment in the game. And that's because of the players. And, and I think the fans do connect with the players more than they did before. Yeah, and I think people will come back. Fans will come back to the game. Everybody's just aggravated right now with what's going on. But it, it is disappointing. And I'm going to read something here from Tim Flannery on Facebook. Uh, we both love Tim, a former player and, of course, longtime Giants third base coach and uh, helped them when they were winning their World Series titles. He said that MLB and Rob Manfred can take their launch angle, their spin rate, their exit <laughs> velocity, their free base runners, he goes on and on, their robot umpires, their shifts, their replays, their reinventing the game, their super balls, their DH, their bullpenning, their starting pitchers going 52 pitches, their four-hour games, their one ball put in play every 21 minutes, their bleep base running, and shove it. So that, that that's from Flan. And I, you that's know, I was, Yeah. Yeah, and I respect him so much. And to hear somebody like him, you know, who I respect and you do as well, say something like that, it just kind of tells you about the state of the game. That's like I was talking about. They're tinkering the hell out of the game. Uh, now, uh, we we pay attention to all this stuff, and we understand the, the modern metrics of the game, and you have to, to understand how, not only how the game is played nowadays, but how the front offices and and the people who run the games are looking at it now. That's how it's changed. You have to keep up with all that, and obviously he has. <laughs> and and I agree with most of what he said. I I don't know. I, I I'm 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 sort of leaning toward robot umpires the way things are going. But you know, apart from that, yeah, the, the, some of this stuff is just silly that they're talking about. For example, banning the shift. Uh, creating some artificial boundary, uh, you know, the, the the runner on second base in extra innings is odious and loathsome. Uh, you could go on and on, but uh, I, I think the the one key thing he said there, and it's an exaggeration, but he's making a point. One ball in play every twenty one minutes. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. It's about the three, tr- it's about the three true outcomes now: walk, home run, strikeout. 
Yeah. And so you're, you're seeing less and less action, less and less strategy as far as the ball and play. And, and you know, by the way, the designated hitter, um, I'm, a, I'm of the mind that uh, over time people would get used to it, having the DH in the National League. But, uh, again, if this is what fans want, you've got to listen to the fans. And, uh, you know, there will be other strategy in the game, but you take a lot of the strategy out of the game when you just have fewer base runners. Just even that. You know, the art of base running has is, is gone away on top of everything else. So um, all this is to say that they, they have made some changes, and, and Rob Manfred has proposed changes that make people wonder whether he really loves the game or not. You know, recognize that he's doing what the owners want him to do. But there are still people who love this game. I think casual fans, though, may be checking out. But but we need it. And and as I said at the top, you know, we're we're in a in a fraught time in history where we're facing incredible peril. And just like a couple of years ago with COVID, we needed baseball to come back in some form, and it did. And it was a a breath of fresh air, even as muted as it was without the fans. Uh, we need that diversion now too, more than ever. And that's why I say baseball, you've got to read the room on this. Get your act together. Uh, we've already had the first two series of the season canceled. And, you know, any more delay. And, oh, by the way, you're going to end up canceling the 75th anniversary celebration of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier on April 15th. You're, you're, you're about a week away from, from wiping that out, too. Talk about not reading the room. I hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, and here's a problem, Ray, that I guess I'm just being idealistic here and thinking that this is the way that it could be solved, and it probably just never will be. But if you had one person, just one person who was unbiased somehow that was hired by both the Players Union and MLB to step in and just take a look at the sport overall with no bias, you know, he's not going to lean one way, he or she is not going to lean one way or the other, I I think it could solve a lot of issues. Instead, you've got two sides that are just dug in, they had the same issue when we were going through COVID and trying to decide how many games are we going to play and all that you know now they've got all of these issues they, they you know talking about uh, more postseason teams which actually I think would be pretty cool it's another uh, subject to, to get into but I just yeah. think one person could solve this if you had one arbitrator and get that person in there but they're just not willing to do it yeah yeah I was thinking Jimmy Carter but I, I think he <laughs> probably doesn't have the energy for that at this point God bless him I don't know who else <laughs> It could be. Uh, you know, the thing about the, the playoffs, too, uh, yeah, I love postseason baseball. And listen, the owner's going to love it, too, because that's where a lot of the revenue is going to be produced. Uh, that's that's going to be a, a real golden goose for them. And and I think it worked out okay a couple of years ago. But it, it's getting silly to the point where you're going to have a, you know, a 60-game season, and then you're going to have 100 playoff games. It's, it's going to be nuts. And yeah. again, I'm exaggerating, exaggerating, make a point. But then you have this issue, which gets back to the competitive balance tax. Uh, more 500 or maybe even under 500 teams possibly getting into the postseason. So uh, how much of incentive is that for, say, the Pittsburgh Pirates to go out and, and go YOLO with their, with their salaries and, and their payroll to compete? There's less of an incentive because they're going to say, yeah, you know, we might be able to nickel and dime this and still get in the playoffs. Sweet. Right. So it's even, even less of, of an incentive. 
Um, so, uh, but that one, I think that the players are uh, actually moving on, right? They actually compromise. Yeah, to get uh, the twelve teams. Toward, yeah, yeah, more toward the owners. Uh, sounds like they're ready to settle on seven hundred thousand for the, the the rookie salary. If they're not ready to settle on uh, how many two year players are going to be able to go to arbitration, they're definitely not moving on the six years before you're a free agent. Six years. I mean, that's a long damn time to stay in the game to to be able to become a free agent and really get your money. And that that's a, a you know, certainly central to what, what the players are upset about. So um, I, I, I think, again, the, the owners are going to wait out the players. They can afford to. They're going to figure the players eventually can't afford to. And they're going to come back to the bargaining table. And that's that's sadly, I think, where we're at. Yeah, I agree that six years is way too long because, I mean, that's usually where you see a player he's not player's not in his prime anymore and he gets the big contract. You'd rather see a guy right. who has put in, you know, two or three great years and now gets a really good deal because he deserves it at that point. Yeah, and there are a few young players who do get the big deals because they're so obviously a star and you figure, well, by the time they get to free agency and they're still going to be in their prime and, and tremendous players, their price tag is going to go out of sight. So you try to sign them in their second year to a long-term deal, and uh, you know you, you hope that'll give you a little more of a bargain. Uh, I, I think in particular uh, Madison Bumgarner. I think the, the, the Rays did that with Evan Longoria. Uh, and it certainly turned out fabulously with Giants with her, and then you know he went off and he, get, he got some more money. But Again, even some of these veteran veteran players now aren't getting that big deal because of that competitive balance tax, and because so many teams are looking at payroll over everything else. And you know, unless the, they are ready to go for it and go for the the championship, and there's only a few of those teams, even those players aren't getting the big payday anymore. There's a few, and you know, a lot of these teams just to show you how payroll is not always you know, the make or break for the operational costs of these teams. I mean, when you get an Albert Pujols contract where at the end he's, he's a negative player and still paying, what, $30, $40 million for this guy. Right. Obviously, the teams weren't worried about that. They knew how it was going to end up. Uh, Artie Moreno knew how that was going to end up at the end of Pujols' contract. He was paying for the front end of it. Uh, but, you know, when, when you're just basically giving away that amount of money – to a player, uh, you know, how concerned are you really about nickel and diming day to day? You're not. You know you're making money hand over fist, and that's why you can afford a contract like that. Now, you couldn't afford it with every player on the roster, but you can't afford it. So uh, I, I, I think more, more egregious than a player like that who's going to go to the Hall of Fame getting some money at the back end of his contract is overall what's being done with players in this game. And and how much money these owners are making. And, I, and again, I think the fans have finally seen through that veneer. Absolutely. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Warriors. And things have not been going well for them lately. Now, they do have injuries. I mean, they miss Draymond Green probably more than anybody can imagine uh, with the way things are going. But I actually thought, Ray, uh, when they went into the All-Star break, you know, they were tired like a lot of teams, and they just seemed kind of weary. And you, th- you would think when they came out of it, Maybe they'd be more themselves, but they, they still miss Draymond. Uh, they haven't had 
you know, a presence like James Wiseman to deal with big men. Uh, Clay Thompson has kind of been in and out of the lineup. You know, he's been out last couple of games. And Steph Curry is just not himself. I mean, really, the, the entire season, even when he scores over 30 points like he did in the game against the Timberwolves, he just doesn't seem like the same Steph. So what's your opinion just on the state of the Warriors right now? And can they get this thing going in time for a good playoff run? If Draymond is healthy, yeah, yeah, that's such a key for this team. You know, it's amazing they had a nine-game winning streak before the break without Draymond. I mean, you look back at that now, and you can see it's an outlier that it wasn't sustainable. But over time, and then as the schedule got tougher, and they were facing more teams with bigs, uh, you know, it's highly problematic for them. And, and I, I tend to think that it's going to come back to bite them. They didn't go out and get a, another big before the trade deadline. I, I suppose they're counting on Wiseman filling that gap at some point here. It sounds like he's getting closer, although it's, it's one of those where it's like Atlas rolling the boulder uphill. You get right to the top, and it seems like it falls down again. It seems like just when he's about ready to make a move forward, there's a step back. Or it, you know, the, the, the timeline here with him has just been so indefinite, but... You know, the, the, where he is in, in his workouts now, he's definitely getting closer to at least getting to Santa Cruz and playing some games. Uh, but he's not going to help against every team with a big. I don't think he necessarily helps against, say, Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns. I think Draymond helps with a team like that that they might face early on in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're going to be trouble for the Warriors as they're currently constructed. As far as Steph, I mean, you know, he has Clay's been back, but not all the way. Uh, you look at his true shooting numbers, they not, they're not far off from where he was in their championship year in 2015, actually. Uh, they're just down from last year, which was an incredible year. Yeah. I think people have forgotten just how great Steph was last year. So he's fallen off from that somewhat, but he's still pretty effective. And, you know, I, I tend to think that, uh, that at some point he's going to get hot and it's going to be trouble for the opposition. You know, get get Clay back from the illness, and it sounds like he's going to be ready to come back. Uh, Draymond, I understand they he may be traveling with the team, and you know that that's a a move forward, and they need him around for so many reasons. They need Draymond Green around. They need Andre Iguodala back on the court. And listen, I wasn't expecting him to be back all the time anyway. At this point in his career, he's thirty seven, thirty eight years old. You have, kind of have to put him in bubble wrap till the playoffs, but. They definitely need his presence as well. And, you know, Wiggins has dropped off. Jordan Poole has dropped off. I'm not sure uh, if, if, if they're even handling Jordan Poole properly because, you know, and, and, you know, he's a younger player, and maybe he's sulking a little right now because he's not starting. But also his performance hasn't merited either. But I think he's one of those guys that uh, I'd rather have him on the floor with Steph and getting into that groove again that he was in earlier this year and getting his confidence up before the playoffs. I think that would be a little more productive than tough love. But who knows what's going on internally there, what kind of conversations they, they're having that we don't know about that, that informed these decisions. But all I know is I see on the court, and, and Poole's had a big drop-off. Uh, Wiggins, I don't think, has had a 20-point game since January. Uh, this is an all-star. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, that that's troubling, and his free throw percentage is going down, and that's influencing his overall game because now maybe he's he's not as aggressive going to the hoop uh, because he he's worried about missing free throws. 
I see that, and I saw that in Andre's game for a while. You need to have these guys a little more defendable at the stripe when you come to the playoffs and when you're in crunch time minutes. Uh, so structurally, this team has, had, has got some problems right now that that can be solved by getting healthy, but you don't know exactly when that's going to be. And we got 20 games to go in the regular season. Uh, they got to get these guys all back together and getting in a groove and and playing with each other uh, before the playoffs start. Yeah, I think Steve Kerr is getting a little frustrated. He did mention something about a lack of connection, and you kind of see that on on the offensive end. Uh, it seems to me, Ray that they're a little disjointed. I mean, you know, you get your turnovers with the Warriors anyway because of the way they play, but a lot of them have been inexcusable turnovers and, you know, sloppiness that you really don't like to see. And again, I mean, without Draymond, it's different as far as the just the whole organization of the offense, but you really want to see this group get in sync a lot better. I, I think, you know, Steve Kerr's got a, a pretty good challenge in front of him here to try to get that going because uh, it's been missing for a little while. Yeah, well, we know how what Draymond can do at the offensive end, uh, and he knows this offense, you know, like the back of his hand. So uh, that's another area in which he has missed. Um, you know, he'll 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 commit some turnovers too, but he he's the guy that keep is sort of the oil in the machine, and, and everybody knows how to feed off of that, especially Steph and Clay. So, and, and we haven't seen Draymond and Clay play together. You know, no, not at all. Yeah. It's another part of the equation. And when you don't have these guys on the court, well, you're you're going further down the bench. And guys that normally wouldn't be getting these minutes are getting these minutes, and the Warriors are getting exposed as a result, especially in the middle, especially in the paint. And we saw that last night with Towns going to town uh, when he had, I think, 39 points. So uh, that's going to be the issue for them. That's going to be the issue for them against Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton. That's a, that's a team that worries me a lot. Um, so, you know, you think about it, one of the wins they had was because Clay went off in the fourth quarter and pulled out a game for them. Uh, otherwise, uh, we're looking at an even worse slump. Uh, and, you know, the schedule's getting a little tough here. So I, I could see them dropping to the fourth seed. Yeah, which is disappointing after where they were. Okay, 49ers, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh-huh. uh, this news just came down last night that he's expected to have a procedure on his throwing shoulder. So now you wonder about the trade value there and what happens with the Niners and their quarterback situation. That That's really yeah. going to be tricky. Yeah, yeah, there goes the trade value. And it also t- gives you an idea. Of, and, and listen, I, I think long-term – Trey Lance has got to be the guy. You traded all those picks to get him. But just to cut Jimmy G a break, he was playing through some pretty tough injuries to the point where, you know, they're talking about when's he going to be able to throw again? Uh, You know, obviously it affected his ability to throw. It affected the playbook for the 49ers. And still they they got to the NFC Championship game and they almost got to the Super Bowl. You know, Um, so it's as much as, People like to uh, criticize Jimmy G, and he, he most definitely has his limitations. That team plays hard for him. They love him. Uh, he's gutted it out. Uh, he's, he's got some moxie to him, but you know, physically he just couldn't answer the bell with the shoulder and the thumb. Uh, but I think long-term Trey Lance has got to be the guy. I don't, I don't know if this means that they, they try to go out and get Tom Brady. <laughs> You know, right. for 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 a play, that's a pretty nice uh, you know play setter. 
<laughs> until Lance comes. But uh, I, I would think sooner rather than later, they've got to get Lance going. Uh, you know, it, it's it's at some point when you've used all these draft picks to get this guy, you want to see him on the field and see everything he can do. But you've got a coach and a GM who are getting later into their contracts, and in the case of the GM getting re-upped, but, uh, you know, there, there, there's a point where you're not interested in developing or uh, having a, a run-up to a championship. You just got to the NFC Championship. You want to stay up there. So what are your options now? I guess a lot of it depends on, you know, how well Jimmy G recovers from the surgery. But I, I just think everything's up in the air, and that's not a place you want to be with your quarterback position if you're the 49ers. Not at all. All right, to finish up, I wanted to talk about uh, your former employer, KMBR, and the changes that they just made because uh, this this was a big deal here in the Bay Area that Larry Kruger and Rod Brooks were let go yeah. by KMBR, both part of the uh, afternoon show with Tom Tolbert. So big changes there, and, and, and really it bums me out, Ray, because you know I, I like the talent that they've had in place there, and especially with Larry Kruger. There's a guy who's just so prepared. He's had two different stints at KMBR. It, kind of, it caught me off guard to see that happen. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm a little biased about this, but you hate to see somebody <laughs> lose their job. I know I know you're biased, definitely, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also biased with these guys, and I know what pros they are. So, yeah, you hate to see this happen, but we know the realities of this business, and a lot of it has to do with money. Uh, and so uh, that's my sense of where I went with that. I, I don't have any doubt that these guys are going to land on their feet again soon. And so I, I, I wish them the very best, and I'm really sorry this happened, but I think they're going to be okay because they have the talent. Uh, you know, yeah, Larry, Larry is uber prepared, especially, and that's the guy you want to talk to about the 49ers, by the way. <laughs> but I, I think I think he'd agree with a lot of what I said. But, you know, again, I work with these guys. So I, they're great to work with. And, you know, on the air, I just had a great time with both of them. You know, we, not all the time. We didn't do a regular show, but uh, on a lot of different special occasions we did. So, uh, yeah, you hate to see this, but the radio business is, is one of the least permanent outside of professional sports, maybe. You know, so yeah, uh, it's, it's tough to hang out for a long time. It really is. Uh, and I'm, I'm just glad I was able to hang on as long as I did. And not only as long as I did, but at the time I did, because I mean, we had a, we had a ball with the giants and the warriors and the 49ers when they went to the super bowl with the Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, being able to go to a couple of us open golf tournaments in our area at Olympic and Pebble beach, you just try to do it as long as you can. And you're glad for, for the ability to do that. But, you know, the, the, these guys, uh, I, I don't think it, it had anything to do with their performance except for, you know, the ratings are always there. But uh, I, the, these guys are both good. So uh, I think that the, they're going to end up working somewhere real soon. I didn't I, I didn't have an opportunity to listen to the show. OK, so I really can't comment on on the show itself. Uh, I, I just find it interesting when they go to the three-man broadcast. It seems to me that three's a crowd, and it's very tough on everybody to try to make it work. That's always going to be a challenge. To me, two is the best. To have, you know, three becomes a crowd. 
But I, again, I didn't hear how that played out with these guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think three is a crowd. Uh, for me, I just think, Ray, if I've got Larry Kruger on my roster, I am not letting him go. He's going to go on some show somewhere on my station. Yeah. So I, I, that, that baffles me there. But also, as a talk show host, I'm curious, in your mind, when you're sitting there doing a show and it feels like it's going well, how do you control ratings? I mean, you re- you really don't have the control, but how much do you think about that on a daily basis mm-hmm. when you're trying to do a show? Well, I think that, uh, again, you just try to control what you can control, and that is what you present on, on the air, what's of interest to the fans. Uh, so sometimes you have some pet projects, some ideas that you throw out there. Some stuff works. Some some of it doesn't. I rate <laughs> You know, just try to be your most genuine self, and hopefully people connect with that. Uh, and then you hope that uh, the powers that be are going to promote that show uh, the best way they can. But, you know, for for a lot of these sports talk stations, it's also dependent on the teams that they broadcast. Are they doing well? Are they even playing? And that's, you know, a problem right now because baseball isn't going to be there. You'd be having spring training games by now. Uh, we'd be having spring training games out here in Arizona. Yeah. By the way, they're taking a big, big financial hit there. So that's not happening right now. And that's, you know, that's something that's part of programming every single night that you lose. That's a, that's a big part of it as well. You know, they, as far as KBR, they had the, you know, the 49ers go on their great run. So that was very helpful. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors, uh, of course, they don't have them anymore, but I had experience during the time the Warriors were on, on the come up. And, and they're helpful, too. But nothing like baseball helps feed the ratings on a nightly basis. So it's very harmful not to have that there right now. That's a big challenge. Uh, you know, I, I always had that challenge in the off season, right? Because the Warriors weren't on every night that you had to come up with something interesting. And, you know, we, we did our best, and I think we're pretty successful in keeping the numbers up every night. But it, it's also, I think, you know, listening to the fans, what they want to hear. Uh, believe me, there's just like in baseball, they're, they're, they're down to every launch angle and every statistic <laughs> as far as listenership and what their habits are and when they tune in and when they tune out and what makes them tune in. Uh, you know, but the, the problem is they're, sometimes they, they try to make it in radio a science when it's also an art. Okay? Right. So you have to strike that balance. And I think fans more and more, especially in the Bay Area, where they, they, they look at things a little bit differently. They have a little bit of perspective, uh, a little more broad in their experiences than maybe some areas of the country, uh, a little more eclectic. Uh, I, I think they respond more to the hosts who look at it more as an art yeah. uh, than as a science. Yeah, Tim Flannery shaking his head again. <laughs> <laughs> and and on, on that note, I'll end this podcast. Ray, thank you very much. Glad uh, to be able to chat with you here about uh, everything that's been going on. And uh, hopefully things improve on the baseball side, and we'll be talking about some baseball this summer. Well, uh, real pleasure talking to you, Joe. Hope we can do it again, and next time we're actually talking about games. That's Ray Woodson. want to thank him for joining us on today's The Sports Virus Podcast. Join us again next week for another edition. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.